Hello, and welcome back to Save by Old Times. This is part two of our episode looking at Deer Hunter's Microcastle. Uh, we are coming to you from our respective microcastles, and we are getting started with Cavalry Scars, Green Jacket, and Activia. Let's get started. Trent and Dave, listen to the song. What a tour de force. <laughs> that was the three-song suite of uh, Cavalry Scars, Green Jacket, and Activia. Yeah, and we decided to do them concurrent just because they are concurrent. They yes. they run into each other. So uh, it's more of like a three-act structure that we got here, and it's pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. As the expert on three-act structures, what are your thoughts on this? Expert? Oh, come on. <laughs> Put me on the spot. Um, I will actually... Uh, I have that saved for uh, a special song later. That okay. I actually do want to talk about that specific setup. Uh, so we can get into uh, Cavalry Scars, which is an interesting little campfire jam. Yeah. <laughs> it, it seems like everyone's just like posted up around a campfire, just enjoying, uh, enjoying the night, enjoying uh, some s'mores. Uh, mm-hmm. They've all got a little bit of instruments and they've all got something to do, something to play. While uh, Bradford talks about being crucified on a cross in front of all his friends. Exactly. You know, it's, it's classic very, campfire very good times. <laughs> I mean, the good news is if you want to play along on a, uh, on the guitar at, at a campfire, it's really one chord for most of the songs. So. For most of the song, yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, that that's what it it gives me those vibes. It gives me those vibes of like everyone's just sitting around having a good time. doesn't necessarily mean you know how to play music, but you can sing along, mm-hmm. uh, that kind of thing. Um, the instrumentation here is mostly guitars. Mm-hmm. It seems like there's possibly one that is reversed, or uh, there's definitely some uh, delay going on, mm-hmm. um, which is funny because <laughs> Bradford has said they intentionally on this album tried not to use too many uh, traditional guitar effects pedals, uh, oh, okay. but there's a ton of delay guitar going on on that. Song. <laughs> cool. <laughs> so that must have been one of the times that they broke that rule. Uh, also, sorry, while we're talking about instrumentation, it sounds like there's um, like almost like playing cards or like a small like crank being cranked um so there i yeah, think i think that's a guitar oh, okay i i have no idea it does sound like like you're saying it sounds like car- cards i have i'd have down here it sounds like a washboard yeah right? yeah kind of like that it, yeah it's it's a, yeah it's an improvised instrument it sounds just like a a, a quick flick of uh a bunch of like rhythmic tones against each other, just like a flick of flick of a cards or a flick of something down a down a graded surface to make yeah. a, a sort of like a little bit more drawn out grading sound. Yes, it's, um, it's a long attack on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and it sounds like possibly. Um, no, I know they're fond of playing the small strings on the guitars. It mm-hmm. sounds like maybe it's like muted or like someone's just got their hand over the strings and they're doing that same sort of thing because it does sound there's scratching that sounds like pick against wire yeah it could totally be that you could just be using your left hand to dampen the strings and just running the pick across them or even just your fingernails or something yeah um yeah and so that's a slow major jam going on uh and then bradford comes in with the lyrics Mm-hmm. Uh, and the melody uh, of this is incredibly stilted. It's it's drawn out. It uses yeah. a lot of space in it. Yes. Um, and like I said, uh, he's saying crucified 
on a cross in front of all of my closest friends. Yes. He says that a couple times. Um, yeah, I have thoughts on that, obviously. <laughs> As we talked about in the end of the last episode, like it felt like, to me at least, at the end of the first half, uh, we got to a point where the narrator, the protagonist, was ready to step outside of their microcastle. And yeah. to me, this is the emergence. Um, mm. And... As uh, I can I can explain why I think this a little bit by using a personal uh, antidote by anecdote. telling a personal anecdote. Thank you by telling a personal story. I'm a person who sleeps in a lot. Uh, huh? I don't know if you're aware of this. Yeah. Uh, and uh, very often uh, when I wake up late after sleeping in, uh, I emerge uh, and mm. there's often much sarcastic fanfare that's given. Uh, uh, yes. Where I'd be like, oh, wow, so good oh, to see wow. you. Yeah. Great. Yeah. You're finally doing Look the who's thing finally that you're expected to do. Right. Jeez. And <laughs> yeah, that, is that. Absolutely, <laughs> that is absolutely the worst part of it. Uh, <laughs> and in some yeah, cases, I've... makes you procrastinate actually getting out there. <laughs> because uh-huh. you're like, I just know it, I know the fanfare is coming and I don't want to have to deal with that. Yeah. To People me, are going... yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. No, I, I get that. I get yeah. that so much. Um, so that's what this song feels like to me. I'm, you know, I'm putting my own personal spin on it. Um, mm-hmm. but to me, it's like bearing the burden of, uh, like putting yourself back out there, uh, yeah. and everyone be like, oh, wow. Haven't seen you in forever. How have you been? How are things? He's like, not good, man. Like, <laughs> not good. <laughs> thanks for, but thanks. Thanks for bringing it up. <laughs> right. Exactly. So that's what I think. That's what, to me, this first section feels like. Yeah. Um, it's still like really positive sounding and uh, the stilt is on the lyrics again. Mm -hmm. Um, It's very interesting because that uh, those lyrics go twice, twice through and it's a very slow four form major jam. um, And then uh, he says that line twice and then Mm -hmm. they go to an awe chorus. Yes. um, Which is, it's, it just sounds, it just sounds nice. Just it sounds, sounds really very, very pretty. Uh, um, and they do that yeah. twice. And then, like, they slow down out of the song. So, yeah, like, and this song is fairly short, lasts for only a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's really offsetting. It's really creepy. And I can imagine, <laughs> I, uh, that's what I imagine. I imagine, like, just a bunch of people sitting around a campfire, but they're all, like, droning on to this weird (laughs) lyrics that are going on right um and uh it's got a really offsetting vibe to it Mm -hmm. yeah i agree i think it's definitely using the music to invite you in as the listener and then (laughs) you start paying attention to lyrics you're like oh wait what is this about what what are you what's going on somebody's somebody's got their eyes rolled up and it's weird (laughs) exactly yeah you would definitely catch someone off guard if you just put this on without them knowing uh anything about Mm -hmm. it but then we get uh, slow down to the end of the, of the song. Mm-hmm. There's a really cool reverb shake. Yeah. And it like detunes out yes. into the next song. I think that's someone having the uh, feedback on the delay is still going. And then they turn mm-hmm. the time down. Uh, or I guess yep. they would turn the time. Uh, they would increase the time, would bring the speed of the delay down, uh, which would then drop the pitch of the repeats. So they're they're messing with the delay pedal to change the note to make it fit mm-hmm. the next section, which is very cool. Yeah, it's it's very cool transition into Green Jacket. Green Jacket. So um, this one, like the reverb, like we said, it sort of like shakes or the delay or something peels out of the song. 
and there's a very like subtle soft tone and then a piano yeah. sort of takes the melody yes uh and it's a really good uh, it's a really simple but it's a really effective piano line it's just a c an e an f and an a so it's, okay it's playing um it's playing the f major seven but starting on a c okay um sort of that c e f a c e f a. oh yeah yeah and then it moves to uh, a C major uh, add four, so it, it moves to a C E F G C E gotcha. F G, and it has that like I love when players just like change one note, yeah, change the position of one note, and they change the entire like context. Yes, it's really interesting. It's really cool, and this is just a really simple piano melody, mm-hmm. um, and like. It dictates the uh, sort of very softer, like this is much softer than even the campfire jam. Yes. And um, it it sort of just like, it holds the vocals together because there's just Bradford. Yes. Um, and like a couple of other effects as well. Yeah. I would say uh, appropriately, based on the lyrics, it's about the, the most intimate uh, it's been so far because the inspir- mm. instrumentation is quite sparse, which I mean, it was, uh, leading into this, but I, it feels almost sparser now. Um, oh, yeah. just because that piano is, you know, playing that little arpeggiated bit and I like, you know, fairly quietly. And then, um, the vocals again, feel very close and the lyrics themselves talk about, you know, physical closeness with other people. Um, sorry, go ahead. It's interesting because like, I have written here that it it's really reflective and introspective. That's mm-hmm. what I get. But it also, um, the way that the song sort of like shook into this song mm-hmm. kind of feels like you're looking at it through like a pool of water. Okay. Like you can almost get a clear melody. You can almost get a rhythm, but not quite. Yeah. There's, there's a little bit of like veneer. There's a little bit of interference. The, the m- thing you can hear the most is the piano. Yeah. But everything else is, yeah, it, there's a little bit of offset, a little bit of delay, a little bit of... Uh, I, I'm not sure, like, how to describe the quality of Bradford's voice in this. Yeah. It's very th- ethereal. Yes, ethereal is a good word for it, for sure. Um, what this section always reminds me of is, to me, it would be, like, the perfect soundtrack for, like, a stop-motion film. Uh, mm. Or, yeah, like, you know when they show, like, a flower growing and they, like, they do stop-motion photography and then they play it all together in, like, a minute or something? To me, yeah. this feels like the soundtrack to that. And yeah, so um, those piano melodies play, and then it kind of like moves higher for a few notes, mm-hmm. and then it lands on a B, and then it plays two chords. Um, the piano has the sustain pedal held down. Yes. So it's held down throughout the entire time, and so you get this kind of wash of of just a just a C major scale kind of uses the notes that were played before and sort of takes them and takes parts from them. And it's a really interesting, like, dynamic. Right. Um, There's nothing except for the piano on that part. Yeah. And it's just, like, those two triads and then a break and then back to the piano line. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. And then we move into... Uh, what mm-hmm. I can only describe is a weird sound collage in Activia. Yeah. Um, actually, I wanted to get your thoughts on the last line mm-hmm. that uh, was set in Green Jacket. Okay. I hear, I heard skulls pressed 
Yes. Flesh on flesh. Correct. The very interesting, very interesting lyric choice. Yeah. Um, that's how they end the song. And that line is like way off, yes. way off in the back. You can almost barely hear it. Right. And, and it it's repeats, just like. Sorry. It repeats even by itself without the piano. Mm-hmm. Um, so there, there's intentional focus on those two lines. Yeah. Um, uh, it, it seems to like shake again uh, and then tune out a little bit more. And then, yeah, it does go into Activa. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so for this one, um, mm-hmm. I don't think it's necessarily that the narrator or protagonist is getting laid, even though that seems like the really obvious, <laughs> <laughs> the really obvious connection to pull. I think it's something more intimate than that, uh, from like a um, like that doesn't seem to kinship. be something that you would use to describe <laughs> skulls pl- uh, skulls pressed flesh on flesh. Right. Yeah. Doesn't doesn't have. I mean, I don't know about your intimate <laughs> settings, but. <laughs> No, I guess like what I mean more is it's like it feels like a, a closeness or like a kinship uh, mm-hmm. being like reignited kind of thing. Um, cool. So like if you're giving someone a hug, like your your heads are near each yeah. other usually, uh, mm-hmm. and you know your skin is touching. So like I yeah. think that that's more what it is. But I think it's also because they've been away from human contact for so long. Mm-hmm. Like this this feels like a big step to be taking. Yeah, um, it's and, it's very like disassociative. Yeah, so like it it sees these sort of interactions as as pieces against pieces mm-hmm. uh yeah uh it's very interesting yeah no it's very cool it, it's like uh such an odd uh <laughs> line that i feel like you know it's very indicative of how deer hunter writes music mm-hmm. <laughs> and bradford yep. especially loves loves to go uh very detailed very clinical uh and also a little bit gross sometimes uh <laughs> but it's it's unique and i like that uh yeah it's it's very unique it's a very interesting uh little way to end out the song yeah so then we get into activa which you said was uh, a strange sort of collage of instruments but i i really want to talk about these chord changes okay hit me because um, i don't know what they are it's yeah it's very simple um but the way they approach it it's sort of like a spanish guitar they play each note uh individually mm-hmm. um and it's just major triads um but the major triad moves up uh one tone and then it moves down a minor third. Okay. And then back to the first major triad. So you get that. Um, dun, 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 dun. Yeah. And you get that quality. Um, it's better. It's better to play it with uh, with a triad. But yeah, <laughs> it's it's just very cool. I've heard it a lot. I, uh, I I don't exactly know like where I've heard it from, but it's very ominous. A very ominous sounding. Uh, cadence and it's very ominous to make that the entire progression of this song uh really interesting really like slow methodical and once again like yeah really creepy like a really ominous vibe that you get from it it's it's the creepiest of the three and Mm -hmm. probably the reason that this doesn't conform nicely to a three-act structure is that this is like the lowest point it feels like and to me, in my interpretation, as, as I'm following this, is 
I think this is them being worn out by the whole experience. Mm. I think, you know, if this this was like, you know, the big, you know, a trial that they are going through of actually putting themselves back out there again, you know, yeah. they're still that same introvert they were on agoraphobia. And mm-hmm. it's going to take time to build up that kind of uh, stamina again. So I feel yeah. like they're, they are, ha- you know, are glad that they're doing it. But at this point, they're, they're you know, uh, they're being tested and they're being worn down by it. Right. It might even be considered a waste. Um, Yes. So there's, uh, I'm just going to get through like everything you hear in this song because those chords go, um, go throughout and they're sort of played off tempo. There's not really a, a constant tempo that they're falling, but there is a collage of instruments, like a, a menagerie that goes in and out. (laughs) It starts with a very interesting effect, like a very interesting like bass tone. Is it a bass mm-hmm. or is it like it's got a I, really heavy shake on it? I'm not sure whether it's uh, an effect that's being held by a pedal or if it's like just a bass or it's independent. I'm honestly not sure. It could be anything. Yeah. Uh, with a little bit of studio trickery, I'm, I'm not sure. Yeah, but it plays the root tones of those chords and it sort of leads into the guitar which I'm not even sure is just one guitar. It might actually be two. <laughs> because, I think that's likely, yeah. Because, like, uh, it seems like one guitar plays the bottom notes of a, uh, of the chord, and then another guitar, like, keeps it going way higher. So there's, like, six yes. or seven notes played. Um, it's It's very, like, present and oppressive. Like, this guitar <laughs> sound is, like, all you hear for, like, the first bit, and it's just a lot at once it's a it's a big strum of yeah. uh, of uh, a chord there's like some high-pitched tones um that sort of just like fade in fade out on the top yeah. uh and then you'll hear um sort of separate from the form separate from the chord changes there's like a music box toy or something something making bell tones yeah and yeah they'll, yeah they'll come in with no like real form but they're still kind of in tune with the chords then there's like a steel sheet or something <laughs> mi- mimicking like a, a crash or a thunder yeah yeah thunder um, is what it sounded like to me yeah there's some distorted white noise or like scratching or uh, i don't know it's just some like fuzzy noise that comes in uh there's another saw-like distorted tone making the root note sounds like a strung bass or yeah. something but it's it's really grainy uh so it, it sounds like maybe a bowed bass or some kind of thing that's that's happening um i know that you can make that kind of sound like on a regular bass guitar so maybe what i what i'm thinking is that somebody tried to just play those roots on a bass guitar with a bow that they had in the studio with a <laughs> with a cello bow or with a it wouldn't with a surprise bass bow. me yeah um, that sounds really interesting and then there's like a bubbling sound like a bubbling pulsing yeah. sound when he says uh, the creek would run dry in the lyrics yes there's like a weird bubbling pulsing sound i like that i like matching up yeah. with the lyrics there's also like, reminds me of cryptograms when they kept using that river <laughs> sample yeah yeah there, yeah um there's a brief and i mean very brief uh bongo rhythm it's like two <laughs> or three notes on the bongo or yeah like two or three notes on like a it's just a little guest appearance 
yeah, it's it's very quick, and it, that's it. It's, it's like halfway through the song, it comes in, comes out, that's it. Um, mm-hmm. The music box comes back, except it seems like it's getting reversed at some point. Uh, many of the instruments come in and out throughout the rest of the song. Yeah. Yeah, it's a like, lot. Yeah, it's like a I said, lot. it's a it's a collage, man. Like there there is just stuff, you know, kind of like you said, coming in and out and like piecing together in in different and interesting ways. And I think it's intentionally supposed to be a bit overwhelming and confusing. Mm-hmm. So I really like, I love, in fact, that they brought back sort of the ambient music, the abstract ambient music that they're making. Yeah. Um, I kind of missed that from <laughs> Fluorescent Gray. Yeah. Uh, it it was really interesting. It was a really cool idea just to, like, get musical ideas out there and maybe just, like, try tones, try instruments that you've never tried before and see, like, how they sound. And, wow, this is really good. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is this is a really good, like, these three songs back-to-back, mm-hmm. they, they make a really interesting uh, dynamic. Um, the lyrics in this... Uh, we've wasted our life. Yeah. We've wasted our time. Uh, I trickled out. The creek would run dry. Yeah. So very ominous mood created by both the chords, the melody, and the lyrics. Like, this is one where everything combines to just make a very tense atmosphere. Yeah. And especially at the very end, the ominous... Uh, repetition of just I tried over and over mm-hmm. is, is is quite a note to go out on. That's quite a cliffhanger. Yeah. Um, and before I fully go, you know, send us off the cliff, ah. um, I wanted to say what the band um, has said about these three songs. Okay, yeah. Um, they they feel that it's an essential part of the album. So to them, um, I would this, absolutely agree. Yeah. To, to them, like, this is very important. And they said uh, it was also among the most fun parts to make, obviously. Yeah. Because they got to experiment a little more. But they said, uh, especially some of these uh, these songs in the suite, they didn't really have a, a very clear picture of what they were going to be before they started on them. They went into the studio knowing that they wanted to do something like this, but mm-hmm. didn't have much of a plan for what it was going to be. So okay. they were really happy with how it turned out, and they thought, you know, the process of creating something spontaneously like that was 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 a lot of fun, was very fulfilling, and to them, like, served a really strong narrative purpose. And, like, all of the songs have, like, a different color. They yeah. all have a different mood. They all have a different theme. And they're all, they all combine very well together. Yeah. Which is, which is great, which is actually to very interesting. Yeah. To me, they're like, uh, like a series of like vignettes mm-hmm. where it's just like a little short film on something mm-hmm. and you watch like another little short film. Yeah. Like uh, I was, I was kind of saying like, sort of like you, you hit the pool of water and it changes to a different scene sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's and, true. And like you, you, it's very unclear, very messy just to see what's inside. Um, Yeah. I I like these three songs a lot. Yeah, I I think I think it's it's really great as well. Yeah, it's, like you said, it's the stuff they were doing on cryptograms in like a very concise way, mm-hmm. and they're creating very different textures like back to back to back uh, is really cool. The last thing I was going to say on this, unless you have anything else, I do have uh, one more thing. But yeah, go ahead. Go. Oh no, go ahead because mine mine is mine is very clearly the last thing. Okay, um, uh, there was just one really neat guitar trick where. Um, they play those chords, but they they start higher up and they use a sixth 
on okay. the chords, and it and it just makes a very interesting tone. They move the chord up, and they play a little bit of a color note uh, that that changes it a little bit and makes it a little ah. bit creepier. It's it's nice. It's just a nice touch. It's the Dave special. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, the last thing I was going to say on on this uh, suite of songs is that um, Josh said in particular uh, during an interview while they were in the studio recording Microcastle, yeah, um, was that they uh, the band also felt that this uh, suite was like the process of weeding out <laughs> people. <laughs> Uh, that they so basically, if they felt that people you know weren't willing to really invest in the band, invest in this album, then they wanted them to t- turn it off <laughs> during this suite. As <laughs> as someone who's been through Turn It Up, as yeah. someone who's been through Cryptograms, like the sort of sort of like ambient music parts of Cryptograms, this is the best one. I I would agree with you on that. Honestly, I think this is the best. Honestly, yeah. I think this is actually just great music. Like I don't mm-hmm. I don't uh I think this is a very good example. Like uh a very good example of how ambient music and abstract music can shine. I think yeah. uh the mood created by the chords and the melody, that mood turns into like a pressure of sorts mm-hmm. and the way that the instruments like pulse and flow they can move and like squeeze and pull the pressure of the person listening to it yeah i think it's really good i think it's a great experience yes i would say this is you know what they've been working towards this whole time and this is them executing it Mm -hmm. at the best it's ever been yeah um but i think it's funny that they still have some of that attitude of turn it up where they're like we only want the people who really want to be here we're not going to make any concessions to try to bring people in um, and I think it's especially interesting mm-hmm. because they follow up this, you know, <laughs> attempt to get people to turn it off, to, to move on. With a straight with banger. Perhaps the best, the, no, not perhaps, the biggest banger on this album. <laughs> let's get into uh, it. Let's do Nothing Ever Happened. Trent and Dave, listen to the song. Nuts. Nuts. Oh, baby. So I feel like you and I could probably <laughs> talk about this song by itself for maybe like two or three hours we could just do a podcast on this song yeah our our podcast should just be called saved by nothing ever happened yeah unfortunately this is not the nothing ever happened podcast so we'll (laughs) leave the hour and a half discussion for our next song Uh, right but yeah um i've kind of separated this into five parts i've said this okay uh, i've said this before I'll, I'll, I think I'll just like go through part by part and we can talk about like what happens here and kind of move on and talk about yeah. like what our general consensus is of the song because man, there's so much here. Yeah, this is this is a monster jam. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yes, I'm gonna need you to 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 uh, to keep us you know within the lines here because I you know I've got a lot to say on this one. It's it's gonna be hard for me to uh, to not just go off. So uh, I do, yeah, I do please. want you to go off. <laughs> Let's go into part one. So okay. the song opens up with. Um, a steady just root note from the bass. Yeah. Um, and also a uh, very interesting uh, drum rhythm. Like, yeah. Go ahead. Uh, 
So yeah, sorry. I want to start with uh, with Moses's uh, drum part on the intro here mm-hmm. because he does something here uh, in a more obvious way than he's done it in previous albums. But he has done this kind of technique before, and I wanted to point it out because yeah. I don't know another drummer who does this. Go for it. He it- does the thing that I am going to coin the Moses shuffle. All right, yeah. Uh, <laughs> which is where he does like anti fills. He does mm-hmm. a fill at the end of a bar, mm-hmm. and there's no symbol afterwards. Yes, yeah. yeah. Uh, and he does this a lot. He's done it on Cryptogram as well if you go back and listen for it well the thing is about uh, that it complements the space that's left by the bass Mm -hmm. because the bass doesn't uh, do much of a fill at the end of the phrase so the drums fill that and complement the bass line it's really good because the bass is also doing like a very interesting rhythm uh, with its line I don't uh, know uh, exactly how to describe it but there's an interesting rhythm that the bass is filling at the start of the phrase and then Mm -hmm. the drums fill the end of the phrase Yes. Um, and what I think is, is kind of interesting about this as well is, to me, it mimics, if you ever play around with a drum machine, mm-hmm. if you are, you know, programming a beat or whatever, and you come up with a cool fill at the end, if you didn't originally, when you were creating the pattern, put a symbol in at the very beginning, when it loops around again, there won't be a symbol there. Right. So to me, this is someone who has been very experienced in electronics mm-hmm. now becoming a drummer and mimicking the things that they used to do oh, uh, cool. on a drum machine. I yeah. think it's really cool. Um, yeah. And sorry, that's what I wanted to say on that drum beat. No, that's really good. Um, the guitar comes in. Uh, yes. Long held chords, an A sus4 to an A major. Mm-hmm. Um, it has that four to one vibe just because of the sus chord uh, mm-hmm. going from the four. Uh, like it has that four fourth note accented. And mm-hmm. so it has that vibe of like a four to one cadence. Um, really long held chords. Um, really like fast driving beat, fast driving bass. Um, it's very chaotic, Mm -hmm. but like, it's not, it's not completely chaotic. It's sort of like building up. Um, and then we get to part two, Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh, where everything drops down and it's just the bass for the first phrase. Yeah. And they, the bass actually plays a sort of like simu- simulated melody, like not quite the melody, but it the bass does play sort of like the rhythm of the melody. Right. Um, and then the drums come back in with a similar beat, uh, like a similar drum beat, but it's a little bit different. They've, there's more mm-hmm. fills in the middle of the drum beat. Yes. Uh, sort of to pick up... Uh, it's sort of to pick up the fact that the bass is no longer laying a rhythm. The v- bass is kind of laying a melody rhythm, and the drums mm-hmm. are now um, being a little bit busier. Yes. Yeah, they're reacting to that, and they're taking the space that's available. It's really good. It's really good. Yeah. We've also changed keys. Um, mm-hmm. We are now in, like, the root starts on G and moves down to the B. Uh, it does, based on the melody, based on, like, the notes that they play, it does feel like we're now in an E minor. Yes. And uh, then the bass, guitar, and vocals share the melody for a bit. Yes. And it's really one of the busiest melodies that Bradford has ever <laughs> sung on a right. Deer Hunter melody. Like, it is right. fast. It is chaotic. Um, during the live sets, he's having trouble to breathe because, like, yep. it's a full <laughs> phrase all the way throughout. It's a lot to cram in there. This is so um, different. This is so different than any other, like, Deer Hunter melody, any other Deer Hunter 
uh, Harmony, any other deer hunter form structure, this is like mm-hmm. huge amounts of whiplash, even compared to the last, the previous songs. Right. Do you want to know why? Go for it. This song wasn't written by Bradford. Ooh. Josh wrote this song. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. He didn't write the lyrics and he didn't write the guitars, but this is his song. He came to them with a demo being like, hey, I've got this song and it's fucking nothing ever happened. (laughs) I can't even not swear when I say that because like, what a gift to just drop this in everyone's lap. This is, Uh, yeah, this, this does feel like, um, a, a rhythmic song. So I right. I get that entirely that a, a rhythm player like a rhythm bass player would definitely bring a song like this. It's mm-hmm. it's very busy. It's very like there's a lot of points where the rhythm can strike really well. Um, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and so when you talk about in this section, especially that the vocal and the vocal and the bass are sharing the melody, it's because Bradford was just trying to write a vocal melody around that bass line. Yeah, uh, so he's literally just kind of mimicking it as it goes. And like the lyrics are are great too. Like they are awesome. Um, yeah, it's uh, I have only when I think that there's no way out. You can learn to talk. You can learn to shout. And it's it's sort of parsed like that. Only when I think that there's no way out, it's it's a really like fast melody. Uh, yeah, the, and like you said, there's cramming a lot of words in there for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and while we're on this section and we haven't gone to the chorus yet, I'll just mention lyrics from verse two because okay. we were talking about the same the same verse bit. Go for it. Um, what did you did you catch anything in the first line of the uh, the verse two? Uh, Remember, I told you to, to keep out your ears out uh, open for something. Uh oh, <laughs> I didn't I, I didn't write <laughs> everything down. Uh oh, I made a mistake. It's okay. It's okay. In the very first line of the second verse, which is the same section we're talking about, mm-hmm. uh, he says, "Sleep through the winter, awake in spring." Mm-hmm. Yes. So, also marking the fact that we've now passed uh, the point, uh, the winter point of the ah. early uh, part of the album. Interesting. Uh, so this this is spring. We are now in it. It it definitely feels like a a new energy for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, it's it's pretty interesting. The um, all of the tones, all of the chords are are power chords. Mm-hmm. And they they kind of just like fluctuate around, but never play the E minor. So it's like a G mm-hmm. to a B, and then um, they go to the chorus. Um, yeah, so the chorus kind of does this power chord thing again, um, but it's mm-hmm. just like a G power chord, a B power chord, and then a D power chord. And so like yeah. you have that rising major. Like it's it's the the roots of a major triad, but it they're all power chords, so they kind yeah. of fit around that E minor, and it's and it's really good. It's a really good chorus. Um, it's really good. Um, I was gonna say I love that they uh, bring in extra guitars. There's an acoustic guitar that you can hear really clearly oh, in cool. the mix, and you can hear it strumming the opening of each chord. Yeah. So it's like adding an extra oomph to the start of each of those chords. Yeah. There's a um, lot of layers on here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll get to it, but yeah. Uh, at least, at least here, especially, they're adding some extra oomph in uh, the chorus. And also, for the longest time, based on the rhythm of the vocals and the uh, rhythm of the drums, the way the snare is being put uh, on non-traditional beats, I did for a long time think this chorus was in uh, an odd time signature. Yeah. And to the best of my knowledge, I've counted it out. It's not. It just it's feels not. really weird. Yeah. It's just it's just playing a, a couple of like accented. Uh, no 
notes in between, but the chorus is very straight for, uh, four quarter all the way through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nothing ever happened to me. So like yeah, it's yeah. it's very straight on the floor, but yeah, there is a, a variation in the drums again that just offsets everything just a little bit. Yeah. Um, and then it rolls back into the verse and plays that for a second time. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, it's it's a really good section. It's really fast, really hectic. Oh, I was just gonna say, if that was a song in and of itself, you'd be like, "Yeah, that was pretty good." But <laughs> we're not even close. We're not even close to done. Well, it is the deer hunter style, right? So they mm-hmm. they introduce this really hectic, really chaotic beginning section, and then they never yeah. play it again. Instead, they go right. on to what they normally do, sort of like a breakdown section. So part three. Mm-hmm. Um, is sort of a bridge of sorts, yeah. Um, and it uh, they introduce it with a with a very interesting like they don't go straight into the bridge. There's sort of a transition. It's a G major and then down a semitone to the F sharp major mm-hmm. and then up yep. to a B major. So it's a really interesting uh, quick two bar phrase, um, and that sort of moves us out of the E minor into the relative major. Um, so this is a third key change that we've had so far. <laughs> yep. Four major seven to the one major seven to the five major seven. Okay. Um, and so it sets up that resolution back to the one, but instead it just goes back to the four. So it's really, mm-hmm. it's really, it's a really cool chord change. Um, and that's all in G major and that's in the G major mode basically. Um, yeah. longer held guitar chords. But they're yes. really distorted here. Like yes, <laughs> like they they put something on it here that wasn't on there before. Um, yeah, and it's uh, the lyrics go through. I never saw it coming, and that phrase that phrase I never saw it coming happens four times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, well, no, it alternates between I never saw it coming and waiting for something from nothing. Yes. Yeah. Um, that that sort of rhythmic phrase happens four times and mm-hmm. then it goes to part four so what did you think yeah. about the bridge <laughs> to me that is like their final moment before they're like all right fuck it we're gonna we're gonna absolutely destroy you uh that that, that is the moment they're like yeah yeah we'll just throw in a very traditional uh bridge like that's that's to me what a standard song uh offers you as a bridge they're like you know here's uh you know something slightly different that you haven't heard before we're going to change it up a little bit and you could totally find a way to bring that back to the other section uh but they're just on a different level right now at this song yeah (laughs) and they decide to take it to a completely different fourth part yeah they've changed keys three times like they're still using very standardized like chord changes and that kind of thing but they're moving around so much that it it kind of has this sort of chaotic whiplash Mm-hmm. Um, and then we move into part four, yeah, <laughs> which is uh, we've changed keys yet again. Yeah, of course. Um, we're now either uh, I think it's just an A key, but you can say that it's it might be uh, it might be a D as well. But right mm-hmm. now they're using the A major to E as their chord changes, yeah. um, and uh, they start lower a little bit lower and um it's more of a driving beat it's more of a rock beat it's it's not as chaotic as it was before but this is a section that's just used to um have the instrumental players just like start jamming 
Yeah, it, it's like the uh, it's like the motoric beat from uh, Cryptograms. Mm-hmm, yeah, where you're just laying down a foundation for everyone else mm-hmm. to start, you know, painting over top of doing their thing. And I think what's cool about this too is, in my opinion, you get a non-traditional instrument to be the backing track. You have Locket in one ear, just playing okay. that one guitar riff over and over again, doing yeah. that over and over again, and then Bradford and uh, Josh get to square off and do their own individual things over top of that. And there's some really cool things going on here. Like I said, yeah. it was in the in A. Um, yeah. They, but it, there's sort of like a Mixolydian mode going on here, and they play the Mixolydian scale as as sort of like a. a a, a riff that goes on through this section. So like someone will just play an ascending scale. Um, and it's really interesting. There's arpeggiated guitar riffs mm-hmm. after that happens, a really distorted uh, arpeggiated guitar riff that goes around, that goes around that chord. Yeah. Um, and yeah, this, this jam sort of like builds on intensity. It keeps going. There's like uh, parts and ideas that keep getting introduced into the jam and then it keeps building and building and building and building yeah and yeah they continue to just like have let the energy just swell Mm -hmm. um and then they also i don't know if we're ready for it but they drop a uh guitar technique they've never used before okay i Uh, I think i know what it is but yeah yeah. is this the very end of the song or is this not the very, very end of the song. It's mm. the uh, guitar tapping bit that comes in, the one the one uh, melody that keeps repeating. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, a really yeah. good, like, that's what I was saying about, like, the arpeggiated riff. I don't know what it is exactly, yeah. but, yeah, it is, it, it's sort of, like, guitar tapping. Yeah, it, it like, I, so when Bradford does it live, he uh, plays it with tapping his finger. So oh, I did see any, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyone who, who doesn't know, you stop take you stop strumming with your pick mm-hmm. uh, on, on your right hand, and you actually just use the fingers uh, from your right hand to press on the frets as well. And it really helps if you're heavily distorted, like his guitar is in this case, that you'll be able to get enough sustain off the notes that you can just push on the strings, uh, and those notes will ring out. So then he's using both hands to uh, to press down notes, and then mm-hmm. people call it tapping. But you're basically yeah. playing lots of notes in succession with both hands yeah and it's it's constant it's a constant mm-hmm. rhythm that goes throughout the rest of the song yes um, yeah yeah but there is one last change yes uh and we go to part five the bass switches mm-hmm. up the key yet again yes it does um i thought that um i thought that the last one was kind of in sort of like a d um, because that's where you get the A Mixolydian mode from. So yeah. this one just goes straight to A. Um, it's the four major, uh, fi- uh, the four major to the one major. So we go we cycle back to the chord change from the beginning to the cadence mm-hmm. from the very beginning of the song, and we cycle back to that. Uh, yep. And it's so good. It's such a like it's a very subtle change when they do it in the song because the bass changes first. Mm-hmm. And then the guitar kind of joins in, and then everyone else kind of joins in, and then there's this really cool melody with a slide guitar or some kind of like slide <laughs> technique. Okay, I, so funny, funny story about that. 
So it's a it's a pitch shifted guitar going on, okay. um, and I, uh, as the impressionable listener in my twenties, when I heard this song, went, "Oh my god, that guitar sound is so fucking cool! It's I really need, cool. I need to get that." And without doing that much research on uh, what pedal uh, Deer Hunter uses. I just looked into what are pitch shifting guitar pedals and I'm like, I'll get one of those for sure. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I ended up getting the Digitech Whammy, which is my favorite pedal of all time anyway. (laughs) So it worked out great. Um, But I'm now, now going back and learning all this stuff later, I realized that it's not a Whammy that they use at all. In fact, they use a cheaper pedal. Oh, dang. <laughs> didn't have to buy it. Didn't have to go go and spend all the money on a whammy. Um, but they use a cheaper pedal. Uh, I, it's called like a Boss uh, PS. I can't remember which number it is, five, six, whatever. But it's the Boss uh, pitch shifter. Okay. And you just set it to a note, and you can choose how long it takes to get to that note. And then you just oh, wow. put your foot down, and it just moves up uh, whatever interval you've set. Uh, so it's an octave to my ears. Um, yeah, uh, they do a few. Yeah. Uh, they do a few octaves, um, dun, 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 and then they mm. go to the low A. Um, so yeah. it's it's uh, an octave for the first two ones, and then I think it's like tenth or something like that. Um, okay, gotcha. Um, so yeah, and then uh, they bring that in at the end, and I love this. I mean, there, there's lots I love about this, and I'll explain. Mm-hmm. But uh, what I like about this particular guitar part at the end is Lockett had to pedal for so long <laughs> on that, that one guitar riff and let everyone goof around, uh, and then he finally gets his moment at the very end of the song when everyone yeah. else has kind of like reached their peak potential. He's like, "All right, I'm gonna." drop in my sick riff now and it's really good (laughs) and it's great it cuts over everything it is the lead at this point um Mm -hmm. and it and it very effectively brings out the song yeah um so obviously uh i i love this a lot i i think it's outstanding um there's a few things i wanted to talk about with the song yeah um one thing would be um I have done, like, a little bit of research and stuff into, like, song structures and stuff. When I'm trying to write songs, I'm always like, you know, what are some cool song structures I can use? And I've heard this term thrown around before. I don't know if you're familiar with it, Dave, if it's a real thing or not. I guess you're kind of my my litmus test for this. Go for Uh, it. I don't know know everything, so. (laughs) (laughs) So. Uh, But I've heard the term uh, through composed before, where you have... Uh, a section and then a brand new section and then a brand new section and a brand new section. But basically you never go back and repeat a section. You are always moving forward to a new section. Yeah. Uh, you don't have the music repeat. And I know they repeat the very first bit. They do first chorus, first chorus. But for, if you consider that one section, maybe then it never repeats. Right. Yeah. So like, uh, I, I did break it into five parts. Um, yeah. Part one is the intro. Part two is, both the verse and the chorus so like a full like verse chorus verse chorus uh section is part two and then part three is a bridge because they change keys they change they go to the relative major it's it's a definite change and then when they go through to part four they start this this driving jam that goes through the rest of the song and um, the reason that I say like they go to a fifth part, even though those two sections are slightly connected, it's because of the bass. It's because right. of how the bass changes that mood, that tone. Um, mm-hmm. uh, the bass sort of just like changes everything and they move into the final stretch of the song. There's like yeah. a different guitar riff as well. Um, and then there's like 
the uh, the arpeggiated guitar riff that Bradford was playing in part four continues mm-hmm. through the rest of the song, but it kind of changes context because the bass has changed context yes. because the other guitars have changed context. There's a new part joining in, so everything yes. everything changes. Um, I I get that idea of through com- through composition. Um, mm-hmm. It's yeah, it's basically just no no repeating forms. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's a very good way to write music. It's very interesting because it's dynamic. <laughs> <laughs> to you to use one of our favorite words, it's dynamic. <laughs> um, also, I was gonna say uh, just briefly while you're talking about the bass getting the the uh, final chord change in there. Yeah, um, it's a great example of you know the bassist decides what chords you're playing. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> exactly. They, ha- they they have yes. that power, and you you get to see that uh, you know in full effect here at yeah. the end. The bass is all uh, the power I... in the band. Forget forget what you thought. <laughs> mm-hmm, right. Um, the other thing I was going to say is while we're talking about the um, extended jam section mm-hmm. at the end there, yep. um, what it reminded me of uh, is the ship of Theseus. Do you know what that is? Have you heard of this concept? <laughs> I don't. I, I've heard okay. of it before, but uh, I, I I think it's something to do with replacing pieces of wood on a boat you got it no that is, that's what it is it's a question posed in uh greek philosophy right and it's basically if you have a ship and then over time you replace all the planks on it you you know replace all the other parts whatever after a while once everything is changed out is it in fact still the same ship well here's um, the, here's the thing uh, we're yeah. still in four four we never yeah. really we never really change time signatures so there's mm-hmm. something that all parts have in common um yeah uh, we're we're always in the same tempo. The song never changes speed relatively. Like it, it yeah. It, it might get like a little bit faster, but that might just be a, a consequence of the drums. So yeah, not drastically. You're right. Yeah. So there's another thing that all the parts have in common. Um, mm-hmm. So it's not necessarily. I don't. I don't think that um, this song turns into a different song by the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do think. It's the same song, especially because of the fact that um, the the final part has a very similar uh, chord change to the beginning. I th- I think it I think this song honestly loops back. Yeah, that makes sense. I I think I, w- I would agree with you there that it definitely is reflecting the stuff from the beginning. I think what what I think is really cool about this jam section basically is that it's kind of the slow replacement of each of those boards. Oh, so. Yeah. Yeah, like everyone takes a turn becoming the part that changes. Right. Uh, which I think is really cool. So you've uh, eventually gotten to a point where everyone is playing a new part that they weren't playing originally, yeah. but I, I, everyone got their their turn to make that change. And then eventually they just end up building the same boat they had in the beginning. <laughs> right, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, it's, it's, it's still the same ship. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think it's really cool. I really enjoy that that kind of slow evolution uh, during that section. Uh, the other thing I wanted to say about this, which is cool, um, is that uh, live versions of this song right. are a complete fucking free-for-all, which is a yes. lot of fun. Yes. So, um, obviously, that that section where um, Lockett and Moses are just holding it down and uh, Bradford and Josh get to play around a little bit, mm-hmm. that section can be as long as it needs to be when they play live. Oh, yeah. Um, so, there's versions of, like, this song is just under six minutes recorded. There's versions of it that go up to eight minutes. There's 12 minutes. There's a 14-minute version. I think nice. I've heard rumors of even a 20-minute version of this nice. song. Nice. 
Uh, and very often, Bradford will uh, start adding vocals during this section, too. Oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, and in fact, he's even uh, taken sections of other songs and put them <laughs> into, into uh, this part of the Yeah, we like, uh, we like the callbacks. Jam. Yeah. No, but no, sorry, not even other Deer Hunter songs, like uh, other uh, artist songs. He'll just start boring oh, lyrics nice. from other things. It is a complete free-for-all. It just becomes whatever it becomes That's... until he goes back into that tapping bit. And then he's like, okay, now we can end the song, <laughs> uh, which yeah. is pretty wild. The last thing I was going to say is that um, in terms of the lyrics and how it fits within the album, mm-hmm. I think this is now a moment where uh, the narrator, the protagonist, has had a moment to actually... Um, reflect and realize that, you know, the passiveness, the being stuck in the microcastle didn't allow for any change to occur. Like the change had to come from them. They had to take an active role in finding uh, that fulfillment and that happiness. And to build on Uh, that, this song is also a huge change from just about every other Deer Hunter song that that was made before. So you you get those Ludo narratives Mm-hmm. That Ludo narratives. Thank you for that. <laughs> um, speaking of words that just go great together. I don't think I know what you're talking about. Oh, well, let me, let me run, run this, uh, this phrase by you and let me know how it, how it sounds to your ears. Okay. Saved by old times. No, it's not familiar. Trent and Dave, listen to the song. Oh. It's saved by old times. It's a good name, right? Yeah, I guess this means somebody. That, I guess this means that the podcast is over, right? We've we've reached <laughs> title fall. Yeah, that was it. That's that's and you know roll credits. We hit it. <laughs> okay, I was gonna say yeah, great I, name. Someone just start a podcast. Yeah, I love this song. I oh nice. I really like this song. Um, so it starts with a really uh like a chunky, like a really chunky guitar. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And it's a really like neat tone. Mm -hmm. It's an acoustic, right? Uh, It's an acoustic and I think either uh, a ton of uh, like room reverb. I think it's also being echoed with um, a clean guitar through an amp with spring reverb. That's where like the really um, like bright kind of, I don't know how to describe spring reverb very well, Mm -hmm. like splashy kind of tone, like surfy almost. Yeah, but this one has just like this huge chunk, like Mm -hmm. really like on every every note, on every strum, on every pick. Um, I think it's because, sorry, I think it's just uh, briefly, it's because the uh, all of the other strings are muted, and instead of rather than playing the individual note, mm-hmm. they're playing every single string every time, and they're just muting uh, all the ones that are not being, uh, like, are not that note that they need played. Yeah. So you get that chonk with each strum. Yeah, and so you get this really neat riff in G minor mm-hmm. to, to start, and it's like um, they play a few notes, and then they go up an octave to the third and so they yeah. really they really accent that a lot, um, and that's what sets the foundation for the song. As we mm-hmm. go into like a mid tempo light rock beat, yeah, um, <laughs> and yeah, like uh, very easy, just like putting putting everything in. Like it's it's a really easy introduction to the song. But yeah, mm-hmm. the guitar's really chunky. The the drums are just driving a little bit. The vocals come in. It's more of like a talking verse, a little bit. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. uh, what is OAO? I'm so glad you asked me because I looked it up. <laughs> um, and the most common acronym, and I think the one that fits, 
uh, is over and out, mm. meaning like the end of a radio transmission. Okay. Or in this case, perhaps being captured by cultural vampires. Right. So that that is part of it. Um, the the melody, um, like I said, it was talking for a bit, but there's a very mm-hmm. interesting uh, phrase that it does like halfway into the verse where Bradford will sing major tones over and in contrast to the minor tones made by the okay. uh, guitar riff. And they play, yeah. they, uh, Bradford does the major third where uh, the guitar is doing the minor third. Ah, so, cool. Yeah, it's a very interesting contrast. Um, they don't play it at the same time, so it doesn't clash, and it's just mm. it's just really colorful. It's really neat. Gotcha. Um, cool. And then it switches to a chorus of swords <laughs> and yep. a dominant uh, G riff this time. Very bluesy. Very nice. I, I, I to me it feels very classic Rocky almost. Yeah, uh, and I I just like how this sounds like another like uh, guitar riff that builds the foundation. Uh, everything goes in and then uh the vocals are now saying that this is the land of oao yeah so that's a very interesting line that they say and they say that a couple of times throughout um Mm -hmm. i like this section a lot i like it as like a soft introduction into the song it's yeah it's got that classical blues classical rock kind of vibe Mm -hmm. Um, and and it's very guitar centric i like the tone of the guitar the guitar sounds great Mm-hmm. It does sound. It sounds really cool, uh, and I think it's it's very evocative of you know pe- from me being a guitar nerd. Mm-hmm. Um, that like spring reverb sound is like really old school, um, like early '60s at the latest. Right. Uh, like that was very in vogue. That's what all the surf records sound like and mm-hmm. stuff. Um, so for a, for a song that's talking about old times, taking influence from blues, from classic rock, using surf tony guitars, like I think you're you're doing a very good job already uh, of bringing people into that space and uh, complementing what the song is about quite well. Mm-hmm. So now we go into the second part, um, mm-hmm. where the root is moving to the A, and there's like a little bit of rising action as uh, the band now holds like a steady quarter rhythm. Yeah. And two vocal tracks are introduced into each. <laughs> yes. There's one ear that is saying a mantra in like a grainy, whiny voice. Um, mm-hmm. And they say something like, old black bandits. Yep. I can't stand it. It's Yep, that's right. <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah. It's so good. And then the other ear is talking like a preacher talking about like gaining uh like they're doing a sermon or like they're they're just preaching on a street corner and it's talking about like gaining entry into the the immortal soul of the redneck something like that the thing (laughs) about these um these vocal tracks is that they're cut off by an effect i don't know what it is but it's like it Mm -hmm. feels like a cab radio or like some sort of like some sort of uh, radio effect where, like, you it cuts out. There's like a little bit of graininess. There's something there that is just right. like cutting off the tone a little bit. Um, yeah. And as these two tracks go forward in the section, they build an in intensity. Um, yeah. And that everyone else builds an in intensity. What do you think about this section? I think it's really cool. Uh, I think it's a great build. 
Um, to me, it, uh, it feels like another attempt to weed out the casuals, which I really like. <laughs> um, but also what I think is really cool, um, uh, is so this, this section obviously features a, uh, guest vocal, Interesting. Um, from, yeah. So this is a guest vocal, um, from, I'm hoping it, I'm remembering his name correctly. Uh, Alexander Cole from Black Lips. Oh, cool. Uh, which that name might sound familiar because a different member of Black Lips is on the cover, uh, of Turn It Up. Oh. Uh, so this is a, a fellow uh, Georgia band that they're nice. they're very close with. Nice. Um, and so um, he is doing a combination of Bradford did write him a poem to read, and then he also gets opportunities to uh, improvise and try things out, and they just kind of mashed it all together. Yeah. To make this section. Uh, so I think what's really cool about it, especially too, is they're using radio terminology. They're saying over and out. Right. And like you said, this part sounds like a broken radio transmission. Mm-hmm. Like you're like bits of it are coming in and out. Um, it's it's very hard to interpret. Uh, and intentionally so. It's like literally they're saying in combat with ourselves, in combat with these cultural vampires, like there is a struggle occurring in this section uh, and they are building up that battle the entire time. It's it's really cool. Yeah. It's awesome. There's so much intensity. Like a lot of what is being said is kind of garbage. It's, it... <laughs> yes, although I will say there, there's a couple moments that are, are very clearly right. Um, there to like help tie it into the rest of the right. album and stuff There's, but there is some of it that is yeah nonsense there, yeah a lot of a lot of it is uh kind of nonsense like you have the the cultural vampires brought up again um mm-hmm. and you have like other other things but then um they do start saying that uh something about being 16 something about being trapped in the basement we're back to the basement interesting yes mm-hmm. um and it ends the section by saying that we are trapped in the motherfucking basement of a teenage halfway house. Correct. Yes. Um, and then one of my favorite transitions ever in, in deer hunter music, <laughs> um, we hop on over to jangle land, hop on over to part three, um, yeah. which, uh, jangle pop. Yeah. We get introduced to it um by bradford saying i was and then he cuts into Mm -hmm. the hook of the song i was saved by old times and these four words are accented on each uh bar and they Mm -hmm. each have a corresponding chord it goes from a to c to a to c um Mm -hmm. and the words the tones that they make the vocal tones um, are very interesting because they change the quality of these two chords, these A and C chords. Sometimes yeah. they're like sus two chords. Sometimes they're like major chords. Um, the way that uh, the vocals come in and the vocals get a second track later, um, they change the chord quality of this sort of section. And it's really cool. I really like this a lot. That's awesome. First of all, I'm glad you like it because we <laughs> we may or may not have borrowed this name. Uh, so it would suck if it was a song that you didn't like. <laughs> um, but yes, and I love this as, uh, to me, it does feel like a pretty strong tonal shift. That's why I kept saying, you know, the term jangle. Like all of a sudden, it's got so much like sheen and shine to it. So let me talk uh, about, compared to the previous section. Let me talk about the three-act structure. We hit it. Um, so this is, this is uh, I think, a better example of that um yeah just that star wars structure that a new hope empire strikes back return of the jedi sort of thing where there mm-hmm. is um 
a fun little beginning section to introduce introduce the song, introduce the world. Then there's a lot of tension, like a yeah. lot of tension in the in the middle section. And then the last one is almost just like a celebration. It's almost just like a reward. It's a big payoff for yeah. listening to the song, and it feels good. Like it feels really good just to have that uh, tension be released by yeah. "I was saved by old times." It's a really well done transition. I love yeah. it. It's triumphal, man. They, yeah. Like they won. They like that's 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 the part where you won. Yeah. Like, <laughs> uh, and they deliver on that. It's so cool. Um, yeah, like that line builds in intensity. Like they just keep saying it over and over. It drops out for a bit. Um, mm-hmm. And then, like I said, it comes back in, and then they add another vocal track that puts a different close tones to the chord. Um, yeah. And then, uh, yeah, it sort of en- ends. Uh, it goes out to the end. It ends on ends on the one chord. Um, yeah, this song has that old Deer Hunter form, mm-hmm. but with the new era of songwriting. Yeah. And I just yeah. I just like it a lot. It's twangy. That's it's awesome. bluesy. It builds a lot of tension. And then it releases mm-hmm. the tension very well. So that is peak Dave's song. Like, this is what I like <laughs> in music. This is what I like in music a lot. Right. That's awesome. I'm I'm so glad to hear that. Mm-hmm. It would have been it would have been terrible if you're like, I hate this song. <laughs> We're changing the name of the podcast right what now. What did you do, Trent? Why did you pick this? <laughs> um, yeah, no, man, that, that's a great summary of it. I I I don't even want to add anything more to that because I, I think that's perfect. Well, then uh let's get into the next song. Let's do neither of us, comma, uncertainly. Trent and Dave. So neither of us, uncertainly. Yeah, couldn't be one of us. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is this is another change. Uh, this is a a quick three four, or like if you wanted to, like a very slow four four in triplet feel. But mm-hmm. uh, it's it's more likely uh, written in three four. Um, the drums yeah. are putting down a fairly straight three four rhythm. Um, mm-hmm. uh, fairly basic. There's a lot of tremolo in the guitars. There's a lot of effects yes. here. Um, and heavy tremolo. Heavy yeah. tremolo. Um, and, like, uh, the vocals are in this song, they're a little bit washed out. I'm wondering mm-hmm. if this is another song where Bradford is not singing. Uh, Dave, uh, can grab the nearest uh, plaid shirt oh, and Fender Jaguar, <laughs> because this is a locket alert. Uh, um, yes, yeah, so this is this is in fact uh, Lockett doing vocals again, nice. and this is a song that he actually did write the um, lyrics for as well. So this is nice. entirely a Lockett composition. Yeah, um, it, it does feel like a, a break, I would say, mm-hmm. from from the uh, most recent stretch of songs. Definitely feels like yeah. a break. Uh, slower down, fairly slow chord changes. It hangs yeah. on one chord for what is essentially four, three, four bars. Um, yeah, yeah, and uh, it has one of uh, one of uh, Deer Hunter likes to do this a lot, and they've liked to do this uh, recently, where they'll do a root major and then they'll go down to the sixth major. So like they start okay. they start on a D major and then they go go down a minor third to a B major, um, mm-hmm. and, and it's just like one of those um, offsetting cadences because the, the the second chord is not necessarily in in the key in the mode. Right. Um, so it has this little, um, 
a little bit of tension, but then the chorus is obviously a four major to a five major, and then uh, that does it. That happens for a few times, and then it resolves to the one. So it's yeah, uh, it builds a little bit of tension, and then it it does a very good re- resolution, um, and then it repeats that again uh, twice twice through. Uh, the second time it repeats this form. Uh, it does an a verse and then an extended chorus, and mm-hmm. yeah, this this is is very soft. It's it's very like standard. There's not a lot of motion in the song. No, um, it's it's fairly static in in what it's what it's trying to do, and it just does the form uh, three three uh, three times. Uh, there's a little bit of variation, but not too much. So yeah, uh, it it does. This song feels like a break. Yeah, it's I, in my opinion, yeah, a total palate cleanser. Mm-hmm. Um, I even the uh, lead cu- guitars that come in, I think around like the three minute markish or somewhere in, in three minutes there. Yeah. Um, they like are brought in to like build a lift, mm-hmm. like uh, create a lift and like build some momentum. And even those are fairly polite. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I, even those I are like, like especially compared. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah, compared to some of the other lead guitars we've had earlier in the album that really make their presence known are really super upfront. These ones feel like they're they're just they're you know uh, at the back uh, of the class. They're raising their hand. They're waiting. <laughs> for their turn to be acknowledged like <laughs> and then they finally get there and they do exactly they do a little bit and they do not much more um mm-hmm. yeah uh this song compared to the other songs on the album the song is a little bit weaker in my opinion i i would agree with that um i also think um this is uh somewhat related to your point i think it was constructed with the idea um that it was going to um help sum up some of the things that came before Uh, in the album. In my opinion, some of the lyrics are direct references to other parts of the album. Okay. Um, Like there is a section that says, uh, so long to the days you've come to know you had to get there on your own. Uh, To me, that's very much a nothing ever happened reference. Yeah. Um, The the same idea that, you know, no one could have, could have brought that change to you. You had to create that change for yourself. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, also there's, uh, the line of, uh, to wait, to grow old, you're waiting to grow old, yeah. uh, reminds me a lot of little kids. So yeah, to me, yeah. there's, there's a callback there as well. Yeah. So I think this was, uh, either late in the game and, uh, Lockett was saying, okay, how can I find a way to tie this into everything else in the album? Right. Or it was that it was planned that way from the beginning. Yeah. Um, and so I think it's it's perfectly fine. It's fine. <laughs> is how I feel about this song. Yeah, it's it's good. It's perfectly fine. It's not my favorite. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it <laughs> it does its thing, and then it goes out, and then the song ends. Mm-hmm. Or it would end. Right. Um, um, we do it, get a little bit of ambience there. Yeah, that's yeah, where we going, do get we do get a little bit of deer hunter interesting uh, abstract ideas at the end of the song so the instruments mm-hmm. kind of like fade into an effect and the song yeah. ends um so everything sort of like it's weird it's like everything gets captured by some sort of effect some sort of pedal i think it's like a sampler or something or mm-hmm. like you said like yeah like a delay pedal or a looper like something that basically takes mm-hmm. a, a moment in time and then just loops that and then they just start tweaking it and they start playing around with it a little bit and then they start adding stuff on top of it yeah, and um, as all the band uh, instruments, like the real instruments, kind of fade out, um, mm-hmm. you hear this a little bit before the song ends, but now you can very clearly hear like a cacophony of piano notes yeah. just being very lightly pressed. 
Um, yes. And it's and it's just a mash of piano notes. Yes. Um, they <laughs> kind a mangle. Of, yeah. They kind of uh, match the tone a little bit, but then there's some off notes. So like this is starting to get a little bit unsettling like the song was yeah. nice the song was pleasant and then it ends but it doesn't end it keeps yeah. going and then there's some weird off tune notes that yeah. effect that i was talking about before that pedal sort of like keeps keeps getting tuned and detuned yeah there's a little bit of effects going on there's like shaking like it's it's yeah. kind of modulating the pitch a little bit mm-hmm. and then as this is happening slowly very softly there's a, a piano riff that is a very light piano riff, but this one is clean, and yes. it, it slowly rises into like the focus mm-hmm. of yeah. this sort of abstract piece, and then it kind of like takes over, and mm-hmm. all of the yeah. detuning sort of melds into this, like all the all of the detuned things kind of um, start to become a little bit more consonant, a little bit more. Um, mellow and right. like this piano riff slowly comes up and mellows out this very tense section and yeah. then the song just closes out yeah it's, it's nice it actually it provides its own little like uh like micro structure, mm-hmm. um, micro structure. in this section here <laughs> uh where yeah you're right it does it goes in creates tension um and then creates its own little resolution um and i from a like uh process standpoint i'm pretty sure that's just you know taking whatever the sample is yeah playing with the sample and then uh finding a different melody to play over top of it and slowly like pulling the sample back from wherever you got it from but it, like it's pulling back how messed up it was and bringing it back to something uh yeah. that actually supports this new melody that you brought in yeah but it's just weird because it seems like it's this sample was like held notes or held instruments from the very end of the song mm-hmm. and it and it transfers all the way over all the way into uh the end of the song and into our next song yes twilight at carbon lake yeah uh let's hit it Trent and Dave, listen to the song. well that was nice that was nice <laughs> Got a little bit angry at the end, but it was nice. Right. It's very nice. As the sun sets on this album, mm-hmm. Twilight at Carbon Lake. Yeah. How do you, how do we feel about it? Oh, that's poetic. Very nice. <laughs> I welcome. love the effect at the beginning of this song. Yeah. So, uh, like we said, like that sort of cacophony gets held by an effect, and it mm-hmm. follows through to the end of the song. It clashes with this one because we're in a different key now. Yeah. And very interestingly like it, i guess it's a pitch shifter because we've yeah. been talking about that before but the entire like sustained part of the last song is being held through it and it clashes at the beginning and then they turn up the knob on the pitch shifter and it just rockets out of the song yeah <laughs> it's very interesting and, and they yeah, they cool. kind of pick a tone to, for it to end on it and it it settles out all right. Like it, it's mm-hmm. not, it's not a perfect consonant tone, but it, it actually just like flies out of the song and sort of like melds into it and then fades out. It's nice. Yeah. It's cool. They find a way to make it work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this song is in a slower three, four. Uh, yeah. It's in a different key, mm-hmm. but it has the exact same chords as the last song. Just, gotcha. in, just in a more condensed phrase. So, right. I was going to say it to me feels like not even not knowing that it feels like a response to the previous song. Mm-hmm. So that makes a lot of sense. Um, uh, yeah. And this one, this one is 
slower in the 3-4 time, but I feel like it's faster because the phrase is very condensed. This time it's just like one major for two, six major for two, and mm-hmm. then uh four 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 five 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 and then it resolves back to the one so yeah um yeah it's a very classic rockabilly three four ballad right we're bringing back in that that old uh early rock and roll influence for Mm -hmm. sure on this one Mm -hmm. yeah it just has a little bit of extra deer hunter because of course there's a bunch of tremolo. <laughs> there's a bunch of like yeah. weird effects. There they they do that six major instead of the six minor, so it it does have that little bit of uneasiness again. Mm-hmm. Um, Bradford's melody is very lilting in this song. It's very like held. Yeah. Um, yeah, and like there's a little bit of scratching throughout. There's a little bit of like distorted noise that kind of just like punches in for a bit and then leaves yes so it's like i like i was saying at the very beginning there's like this veneer of deer hunter over top of this very classic very standard rockabilly kind of sound yes yeah it's it's this this is another great example of that or at least like one another very clear example of that occurring on this one Mm -hmm. um especially with what it turns into towards the end (laughs) so that form i was talking about that form uh it goes for it goes two times over through the verse um Mm -hmm. and then it builds up into a, a louder section it has the same chords but it's just a little bit louder um, and there's an awe chorus. So Bradford is just uh, singing a, singing an awe melody over top yep. of it, and then it goes back down even softer for the second mm-hmm. verse. Uh, yeah. And this one builds up for a bit, and then they get into the second awe chorus for a bit, and then they just explode louder <laughs> into like this huge... This huge shout chorus, every instrument is just playing quarter notes. They're just yes. hammering uh, every kind of sound. Moses is going nuts. Oh, you drums. bet he is. Uh, Again, fills per 60. Fills per, <laughs> fills per, per minute is unreal. Um, and, yeah, and this sort of just, like, big, big end, big finish to mm-hmm. the album. I like to call these uh, a, a big rock ending. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what I always call it. Yeah. It's it, they they play over those chords for I think like four uh, four times or so, mm-hmm. um, and then they end the song. Uh, they end the song. They end the album on a on a nice resolution to one. Right. Uh, and speaking of resolutions, mm-hmm. uh, what I love about this uh, end bit where they they do what I call the big rock ending. Yeah. Uh, is they bring back a ton of elements from cover me slowly in this okay so we have the diving guitar chords yep. again uh with the trem bar mm-hmm. uh the tremolo vocals are back again mm-hmm. and you can hear the synthesizer come back the the synthesizer's making those weird um like strange oh, yeah. tones, like uh, sustained tones those come oh, in yeah, as well so cool. it, it's a, it is it's a little bow they did they tie it so nicely and it's also in three four as well yeah um, uh, it uh i i think it's like a really good idea to have this one have this el- album sort of like end the way it started um just in a just in a more positive light because everything was right. a little bit not so good at the beginning 
Right. Absolutely. Um, and so like that, that's a, that's a fun bit of like sonic continuity. Mm -hmm. Uh, and also what I like about this song, uh, to me, this is like at the end of like a kid's TV show when they've had like a very special episode where they talk about something serious. And then at the very end, one of the actors is like, hi, my name is whatever. And I play this on the show (laughs) and we had a, we had an episode about this and I want to talk to you about how like serious is just a nice little PSA. Yeah, a little PSA at the end, exactly. To me, this song is the little PSA on the end of the album mm-hmm. because so much of it is uh, is saying to someone else, is addressing, go go out and do this, go do right. these things. You'll you'll never understand. Like it's it's all in second person, kind of. Yeah, interesting. Uh, so to me, it's like someone at the end addressing the audience, saying, you know, we've we've shown you this story. Here's the here's you know the lesson we want you to take from it, kind of thing. Yeah, and the lyrics uh, the lyrics we're talking about like. Uh, getting rid of like frozen shit in your heart. Yes, um, thank you. So I was wondering if this also maybe put a little bow on uh, this multi-song narrative that we got going on here. Absolutely it does. Yes. So again, all the things that they're, the narrator is encouraging mm-hmm. this the audience now to do is all is all motion it's all saying go to this mm-hmm. go to that it's it's directing you <laughs> to leave the micro castle is what it's, it's imploring you to do nice yeah um so i think it's really cool and then of course uh, you know like like you mentioned the again the reference to uh to winter and the, the frozen shit inside your heart mm-hmm. when earlier in the album they say winter in my heart yeah uh right so it's like um it, it all wraps up nicely i i think it's a really great closer this this album was, to me, sort of like a culmination of a couple of things. We've discussed this before, and we've talked about like how there was like a definite shift in the way that songs were being written and composed in mm-hmm. Deer Hunter, um, and we noticed that halfway through Cryptograms. Yes, like you talked about um, uh, how like they they sort of like had a very stark change they recorded on different days so um they had a bunch of songs that they recorded in the second half of a cryptograms and they had a bunch of songs that they recorded in the first half and i think that that is the true delineation of the weird era right <laughs> um i kind of see it as um and like we've talked about song dynamics we've talked about album dynamics we haven't Mm -hmm. really talked about band dynamics all that much um and i do see that line as being the beginning of locket's influence yes i would agree with you on deer hunter on deer hunter in general Mm -hmm. so the shift that i see uh from the beginning of the band from turn it up to the beginning of cryptograms um that sort of like abstract idealist um effects based music making was at the forefront at the center yeah yeah um and everything else uh all the band members all the instruments were complementing that yeah i think the change came when um now the there are more riffs uh dictating songs so there's like piano riffs there's bass riffs there's drum riffs now uh, yeah. from the second half of cryptograms onward that mm-hmm. are dictating the music and that abstract idealist effects based music making is in the background complementing the music 
Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. There, there is a like renewed, uh, like not renewed. Sorry, like a, a new focus on um, on lyrics, on uh, a message behind the song mm-hmm. um, being conveyed through the vocalist. Before right. the the message uh, was being carried through kind of the space that was created and right. the atmosphere that was oppressed upon the listener. Right now, it's it's being delivered through a much more conventional uh, way, but they're keeping a lot of those um, really interesting instrumental ideas. Like you said, the the approach to uh, uh, effects and trying to uh, create interesting sounds right. uh, yeah. is still complementing that. Yeah, no, no, that's exactly what we were saying before, where um, where that uneasiness, that deer hunter uneasiness was being made by the instruments before, mm-hmm. but yeah. now it's being made by the lyrics. There's a yeah, definite, totally. there's a huge definite shift. Um, and uh, Microcastle to me is sort of like the culmination of that band dynamic. Yeah. I think entirely like this album is really good. Um, agreed, but it's also just like, they kind of figured out their dynamic and they kind of just figured out how to write songs with this new dynamic. Yes. Um, I talked about, uh, the first half of cryptograms where like they kind of figured out how to write in that dynamic. Yeah. Yeah. And then it changed. So they Mm -hmm. had to, they had to change the way that they write songs. And this is, this album is the culmination of that like the band is obviously tighter the band has more practice playing music so like uh you get you get like more expressive melodies but like locket introduced a lot of interesting chord changes a lot of interesting like ways to approach music they started yeah. doing different time signatures um mm-hmm. and this album just has like some of my favorite deer hunter music without a doubt there are so far for me, some of the best Deer Hunter songs on this album. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that 100%. Um, to me, <laughs> to use a uh, a Power Rangers metaphor, this is like okay, the Megazord cool. has finally fused together, uh, <laughs> and it's all working in tandem. Like, everyone is bringing their strengths, uh, and mm-hmm. there's, like, such a unified goal um, to me that, like, it's it's becoming this, you know, this new machine. Yeah. Uh, and so it's really cool. Uh, I love this album. Uh, it's uh, of the ones that we've done so far. Um, my favorite of the three. Yeah. For me, it is definitely, uh, of the full, full length albums, Microcastle's at the top, Grand's mm-hmm. second and turn yeah. it up is last. Agreed. That, that's where I'm at as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. What was your briefly, I think I know, but just, just to clarify for me, what was your favorite song? Uh, it has to be saved by old times. Nice. I knew uh, I knew it based on uh, your yeah enthusiasm for it as you were saying it. They they played to the judge. They <laughs> they, uh, they really they really got me. Um, yeah. I just like the bluesy twanginess. I like Hell yeah. uh, the way the song is structured. I think it just pays off really well. Um, yeah. But that isn't to say that some of the other songs were also really, really good. Like, Oh yeah. This was, this was sort of like a last minute decision when I just had to pick one. Right. And I had yeah. to say, well, I, I really like nothing ever happened. Mm-hmm. I really like, um, the suite of cavalry scars, green jacket and Activia. Mm-hmm. I really like those songs like put together. I think they're great. Uh, it was sort of just like, uh, 
Saved by Old Times kind of just grew on me, and I keep like I keep singing it, so right, so it's sticking with me, <laughs> um, right? Which is probably like it's sticking with me more than any other Deer Hunter song has, right? So, uh, yeah, that's that's a big winner for me, right? Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. How about um, you? I mean. <laughs> Come on. Is this a joke? Uh, it's nothing ever happened. Of course yeah, it is. Yeah, I figured uh, that much. <laughs> it's uh, it's it one of my so favorite hard. Deer Hunter songs. Uh, it goes and so it, hard. It goes so hard is the thing. It goes so hard. The bass gets to lead so much. Um, I love the the through composition. Like I said, you know, like you're always moving to something new. And it's, it's like I, like you said, it's tough for me too. Like there are, there are several other songs that I also mm-hmm. really, really enjoy that are among my favorite Deer Hunter songs as well. Obviously, agoraphobia. You know, you're on the podium. Yeah. Don't worry. Um, so, <laughs> uh, like, I didn't forget you. Uh, you're st- you're also my favorite child. Don't worry. Uh, I guess for least favorite, yeah. I think uh, I'd probably pick uh, neither of us. Uncertainly, same. I-, I feel a little bit bad putting it because, like we said, there's nothing really wrong with it. It's no. just everything else on this album is like is knocking it out of the park. Like when you, when everyone right. is hitting home runs and there's like, you know, I, I, I keep using sports metaphors, <laughs> but like, you know, if everything is, you know, you hit the ball right out of the park and then the other one just like, yeah. you know, is a, is a double, just like you, get just, a, you get, get a, a really good run. hit. Yeah. And you, you run a couple bases. It's like, that's still great. That's still successful. <laughs> but in comparison to everything else, it kind of like loses a bit of its luster. Um, and I think oh, it's unfortunate yeah. for that song. Uh, just because I think a lot of its thunder was stolen mm-hmm. by Twilight at Carbon Lake. Right. I think as a 3-4 song that's a little bit softer, a little bit slower, um, that sort of brings out the album, um, I think uh, that song kind of just got its thunder taken yeah, just a little bit. Totally. Yeah, I th- I think like even though that Twilight at Carbon Lake is slower, it feels more dynamic because the chords are more condensed and everything's moving. Um, the 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 volume like the intensity yeah. of the song moves up it moves down and then it moves into Way the, up. the red line <laughs> yeah. into the red line yeah uh so yeah it has a lot of motion and it has a lot of uh interesting parts that that sort of um took a lot of thunder out of it so yeah i, I feel bad for Lockett, but uh it's it's fine it's a it's a good song it's just not the weakest one on the album right it's got a dirty job on the album it, it's it's you know it's the palate cleanser right. no one's yeah, favorite song is ever cleanser. the palate cleanser and that's not that's not that <laughs> song's fault um yep. so yeah i still like it um but yeah it's just it doesn't it doesn't have that same uh that same like you know excitement and pizzazz that some of the other songs mm-hmm. do by design intentionally um yeah and i think that a lot of songs on this album were also like very intentionally placed. Like mm-hmm. we we're talking about the um, sort of ambient abstract section um, as sort of like a tension builder. Um, this album has like a lot of good dynamic movement. Like it, it kind of is a little bit stationary at the beginning, mm-hmm. but everything's building up to Microcastle. Yeah. And then it drops down into this very low section. Yeah. Like that, like that three act stru- uh, act structure that I was talking about, totally. and then it rockets out to the end. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a very well composed album as well, mm-hmm. song to song. Yeah, for sure, and it's got it's got really clear front half, back half, 
individual little mm-hmm. stories. And then, like you said, one whole story, if you put it all together, it's yeah, the, the sequencing on this is probably the best it's ever been as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, um, it's great. <laughs> yeah. As far as like, we can bring it, bring it back. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe, uh, a little bit more about like concept albums because, mm-hmm. um, we did have, we did set up the idea that this was a sneaky concept album. Um, how does, how does this do that job? Because I think it does. Yeah. It really does. I think, yeah, the idea of a concept album is like you have either a narrative that you're trying to like almost soundtrack the music to, or you have a theme and everything relates Mm -hmm. to that theme in a different way. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I think you can either, you know, do one or the other or both. Uh, I don't think there necessarily has to be, um, one road that you go down in my opinion. This Mm -hmm. is kind, it certainly follows, uh, the theme of the title of micro castle, but it also uses kind of a little bit of a narrative structure to do that. Um, but there's no, like, you know, there are some concept albums where they actually, you know, name characters in them and you hear the same names come up over and over again. And, you know, like they actually describe events in enough Mm -hmm. detail that you can follow a real story. This isn't trying to do that at all. No, Uh, no, this is, this is, uh, thematically conceptual and like, um, like we were saying, um, my, my idea for this album was like a small fortress of ideas. Like, yeah. uh, every song is a little vignette and they say throughout the album, like they make references to collages. They make references mm-hmm. to, to microcosms. They, they make these, these references to that idea. Yeah. Um, and, uh, your idea of being like a microcastle as something that you build around yourself mm-hmm. uh, and something that um, you spend a lot of time constantly trying to break out of. Yeah. Um, that definitely pays off um, through like nothing ever happened in say by old times. Yeah. Like that, that idea really pays off in those songs. Right. I think the only thing that is kind of funny about this as a concept album is I think the victory lap on this album is really long, <laughs> by, <laughs> by which I mean basically by nothing ever happened yeah. and saved by old times. Like the it narrator does... has already kind of completed their journey and they're mm-hmm. just running around high five and everyone. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you have almost like the last like four songs are all like reflecting back on having completed it kind of thing. Yeah, um, I think I think you're right that I think Saved by Old Times is sort of like the end of the uh, end of the story. Right. Yeah. I uh, would agree with that. Yeah. And so I feel like if you wanted to try and like chip away at it being a concept album, you could be like, well, you have a lot of songs <laughs> towards the end <laughs> that are kind of stating the same thesis kind of thing. They're all like, and so in summary, you know, four hey. different times. But <laughs> hey. Repetition. That's how you get clicks. <laughs> right? It were, and, like, repetition legitimizes. Repetition mm-hmm. legitimizes. Um, repetition so, <laughs> legitimizes. Right. Uh, it's true in music. It's true in a lot of other things. Um, so, I don't know. I, 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 and I still like it. Each one of those songs uh, is its own way of, of restating the theme. So, I don't know. I, I still think it holds up in that regard. Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. Why don't we uh, talk a little bit about the live show? Yeah. Um, I can't believe they got the videographer from Holland back. <laughs> I was going to talk about that. I was going to say, what is it with, with live videos of Deer Hunter and people I, using like outdated visual effects? I don't know what it is. I might I might go off just a little bit Hit uh, about like uh, the way that you can make good dynamic live videos mm-hmm. um i did a bit of this at fanshaw so okay. like i i have a, i have a little bit of experience but uh you 
you just need to capture the band. Right. In the best <laughs> that is all you need to do. Right. Like, you can have other camera angles. You can focus on different people. But, like, there's slow-mos. Yep. There's weird cuts. There's, like... They, like, overlay some stuff. speed down. Yeah. It's, it's nuts. And it's, <laughs> like... Yeah, like, it, it does definitely distract from the performance. For sure. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, for me, as someone who's trying to watch it and then study what's happening, it's very uh-huh. annoying. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> I'm relying on like, the visual information to inform, uh, you know, what I how to interpret the live performance and when it gets all messed up. It really, on one hand, yeah. on one hand, I I don't like it just mm-hmm. because like it's not it's not the way that you want to present the music. But on the other hand, it's hilarious. Like right. this guy's just going off. <laughs> right. And on the other hand, isn't live music really just uh, you know a way to entertain drunk uh, or otherwise influenced yeah. people? Yeah. Uh, so, uh, you know, he's the throwing some video effects. People are like, cool. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. A couple of things that uh, stood out for me, um, like Cavalry Scars had less of a camp- campfire view, mm-hmm. like less of a campfire vibe and more of a rock vibe. Yeah, it did. And um, this gave me a big impression. Okay. Uh, the way that they played this live concert gave me a big impression of Arcade Fire. Oh, interesting. Why do you, why do you say that? Just the way that, like, um, just the way that, uh, especially just Cavalry Scars, it just yeah. seems like they have that pop orchestral, rock orchestral yeah, sort of thing. Yeah, that, that does feel orchestral is the right way to say it. Mm-hmm. Like, there are movements to that. Uh, yeah. And bombast is the word I kept thinking of when I was watching it. Yeah. Like, there's yeah. like, yeah, there's like an anthemic quality to it. Yeah, so that that gives me a lot of Arcade Fire vibes for mm-hmm. sure. Um, also another thing that I noticed, uh, a lot of the vocal parts are written for studio recordings, yeah. not necessarily <laughs> written for a live show. So, yep. um, there's a lot of parts where like Bradford would hold a note into the chorus and then Bradford would also come in with the lyrics to the chorus Yes, uh, in a different part because you can do that in editing. Yeah. Uh, but here you can't. So yeah. he kind of just had to like adapt and you lose words like you lose parts of the lyrics unfortunately yeah um and that's that's kind of just how that goes when you write songs like that Mm -hmm. another thing with the vocals um uh like i was mentioning before nothing ever happened uh that song is so chaotic so quick that bradford actually just like loses breath halfway yeah. through the phrases <laughs> yeah um which is which is like also indicative of a song that wasn't written by a vocalist right <laughs> <laughs> it's like what the fuck man how am i supposed to do this yeah <laughs> yeah um and one more thing that really stood out for uh to me for the live section yeah and you were talking about this before i didn't realize that uh, they had a guest uh, on Saved by Old Times. Yeah. But in the live section, they actually have someone jump on stage right. and start preaching to the audience, which was so cool. It was really cool. And to my knowledge, that's the same guy. Because he, oh, really? he makes a King Cole joke after he leaves. Uh, hmm. And the guy's name is Alec- Alexander Cole. Nice. So I'm pretty sure that's the same. that is actually him. Uh, and yeah, he gets to come out and he gets to do a complete improv version. He's not, he's not even trying, even trying to do anything close to what's on the album. Yeah. Uh, like, once again, like utter garbage, right? <laughs> like he's saying utter garbage on the mic, yeah. but he's, he's delivering it as a sermon to the audience. Yes. 
and it's and it's really cool it's a really cool like uh performance right and he even does some of like um the um uh i don't know i don't know how to how to phrase this exactly but uh sometimes in like sometimes when uh they're doing like a religious service or something they'll go okay. into um they will stop using words and they'll go into sounds oh yeah yeah, oh, yeah. I understand. Uh, and so I think that's kind of what what uh, what Alex is mimicking there. Uh, yeah. However, a lot more drunk, I think, is, mm-hmm. is the way to say it. Um, I do think it's funny as well that then he gets to like stick around and dance for a little bit, yeah. and then clearly yeah, just gets just tired go and leaves the rest of the song, and he's just like on stage, <laughs> jumping I, around. He's he's going for the the big like nineteen sixties dance, like uh like you know a beach dance oh, yeah. moves kind of thing. And I think oh, he yeah. just gets tired. And he also what's really funny, uh, this is you know what happens when I watch a lot of like live music a bunch of times. I pick up on all these details. He uh-huh. also grabs one of the waters off the amp uh, of the other guitarist, who we'll talk about. <laughs> Grabs one of her waters and drinks it and walks off the stage, <laughs> which I think is really funny too. So yeah, um, let's get to it. We have a new uh, member, yeah, of Deer Hunter. So uh, enter Whitney Petty. Nice. Um, so she is a, a high school friend of Bradford's. Uh, so nice. they went to the same same high school. Um, and she joins the band after they finished finished Microcastle uh, mm-hmm. to be a full time member of the band starting uh, on the Microcastle tour. Nice. Um, so she she joins in uh, May two thousand and eight, um, mm. and I think she's really fun. I think she adds <laughs> a lot of like the same uh, kind of like chaotic energy that Bradford wants to bring in a lot, but he can't because he's uh, doing a lot of vocals and guitar now. Kind of just killing it. Yeah, she's great. Kind of just uh, like being like a really consistent uh, instrumentalist, like just just going to work sort of thing. Yeah, so put a pin in that for a second. Um, but yeah, and she's also fulfilling the role of uh, subbing in for filling in for Colin uh, yeah. because I think to some degree you hear it on the album. There are times when there's three guitars going on and they do miss yeah. that live. Um, mm-hmm. So I feel like that's that was kind of like. Uh, a bit of like a comfort blanket thing where they're like, we need our third guitarist back. Yeah, definitely uh, during um, uh, during nothing ever happened. Yeah, um, there is, there is a three guitar dynamic. There yeah. is the um, the low line which uh, she is playing, mm-hmm. and then there's that uh, arpeggiated tapping. Yeah, that uh, Bradford is doing, and then the sliding guitar up at top. So yeah, yeah, you have you have that three guitar dynamic, and like it is it is really neat to see them all do it at the same time. Yeah. Um, so along the lines of uh, Whitney being rock solid, um, mm. in my opinion, and I will explain why in a second, uh, she's the best guitarist of the three of them in this band mm. <laughs> because mm. um, her time in Deer Hunter is actually incredibly short. Um, okay. It's really fun. Um, I can tell you this now because um, she ends up leaving the band at the end of the Microcastle tour. Uh, So she's announced as a full-time member, hey, here's our new guitarist, Whitney. Like, welcome, Whitney. She, like, creates her own little mixtape for everyone to listen to to be like, here, get a taste of what Whitney's into kind of thing. Uh, And so it's, like, it's very exciting and stuff. And then, uh, so she joins in May 2008. By February 2009, she's like, 
actually, you know what? I'm good. I'm 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 gonna move to Seattle. Uh, and uh, so what's really funny is Bradford like was not upset about it at all. He said, uh, "We'll mm-hmm. be a four a four piece again for now." Whitney is what you would call a free spirit. She's also a great friend. Uh, and so. Nice. Um, like there was no ill will at all. I think, uh, she's just a person that was like, yeah, that was a really fun, you know, summer, fall, uh, you know, winter kind of thing. Like I had a really good time hanging out with my yep. old friend from high school. I got to tour, uh, you know, but I, you know, my interests kind of lie elsewhere kind of thing. And so I did a deep dive cause I was like, what did, what did Whitney go on to do? Like, you know, that seems like a pretty sweet gig to just yeah. hang out, uh, with deer hunter. Like, why would you give that up? So yeah. I want to tell you a little story about Whitney. Okay. Um, so she moves to Seattle, uh, mm-hmm. works on a boat for a little while. Uh, I couldn't find out what she did on a boat. She just said that she worked on a boat. <laughs> uh, she became a full-time gardener uh, and then uh, played drums in a band uh, and then uh, started another band uh, that I think deserves some attention that does not. Uh, I hadn't heard of them before I did this, and I think it's a shame. Um, so she plays guitar, uh, in a band called Thunder Pussy, uh, <laughs> and they fucking rock. They deserve so much more attention. So Sick. they are like big brash, like seventies inspired rock. Like to me, it's like, like Led Zeppelin, okay. uh, but like communication breakdown Led Zeppelin where it's like really like, oh, okay. like proto punk kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, and the vocalist to me sounds a lot like, um, Florence from Florence and the Machine. Oh, cool. Uh, and Whitney fucking shreds. <laughs> she <laughs> has a, a Les Paul and a like Gibson, a, like full, or sorry, a, a Marshall full stack. And she's got a fucking fuzz pedal and a wah pedal. And she's like, I'm going to rip nice. solos. Uh, and nice. so they're just like unabashedly like a big, loud rock band. And like, that's nice. not a thing that, you know, is in vogue and they don't care. They tried to trademark their name, mm-hmm. uh, and the patent office rejected it and considered that their band name was immoral. Uh, so, as only of only in the United States, only in the United States, and uh, that's pretty dumb. There's a lot of really dumb band names. Um, yeah, you know, think of the you know some of the really dumb offensive band names uh, yeah. that exist. Uh, and you know the fact that, that is... they're you know making reference to a part of female anatomy is pretty fucking yeah. dumb. Um, yeah. That yeah. sucks. And so, but to end it on a fun note, um, <laughs> I don't know if this is a piece of official merch that they sell. And to my knowledge, she may be the inventor of the shambong, uh, okay. which is a champagne flute crossed with a beer bong. Nice. So nice. she has an actual like champagne flute made of glass and the mm-hmm. stem is like a U-bend kind of thing. Yeah. So that you put your mouth on the end of the stem, you fill up the, the champagne flute like normal, and then you tilt it back and it just flies down your throat. Oh, there's probably there's probably a shop that sells those on Etsy. Probably. But the one that she showed <laughs> off had their logo and their name on it and everything. Nice. So I was like, I, I didn't go and actually research to see if you can buy them or not. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just thought that was hilarious. That it's like you're, you're taking something classy like champagne and be like, no, no, but I want to chug it. Um, so, and I think that also kind of encapsulates the, uh, the attitude of Thunder Pussy. (laughs) So, (laughs) um, yeah, but she's in, she's in Deer Hunter for, you know, just this tour. So you see her in a bunch of live videos and stuff. Yeah. And then, uh, by the time they're, they're moving on to something else, uh, she's not heard from. She, she exits the band. Uh, so I think she's a really fun piece of Deer Hunter history. 
yeah. yeah, I guess we're I guess we're getting into uh, the next the next section. Maybe maybe yes. a little bit more of the weird era. Right. Thank you for that. So yes, um, remember how I talked about in part one um, mm-hmm. that the album leaked ahead of time. Uh, yep. And so there's one release date for digital and there's one release date for physical. Yep. So <laughs> as kind of a, an apology and also kind of a uh, reason for fans to buy the physical version, mm-hmm. um, Deer Hunter kind of scrambled a little bit and said, okay, well, why would anyone buy the actual physical album if they already have it digitally or they already, you know, downloaded it for free? Yeah. So what's really cool is they went and recorded an entire second album uh, that is called Damn. Weird Era Continued. And yeah. it's like a bonus disc that goes with Microcastle. So if you waited and bought it, the physical version, you got a whole a double album. You got a whole second album that they made. Awesome. Uh, so, yeah, as a teaser for Weird Era Continued, which we'll do next. Okay. Um, What's fun about this is obviously they recorded it in a very short time period. Yes. Uh, and in order to uh, create enough material to make it worthwhile for fans, mm-hmm. it includes uh, songs that were self-recorded. It includes oh. songs that were written by individual members or recorded by individual members. Okay. Uh, and in my opinion, absolutely lives up to its name uh, in being... <laughs> I kind of a weird collage of ideas, and I'm excited just a to continuation of what is already just un, unabashedly weird. Right. Uh, so yeah, I, I, like you said, as my, as we've enjoyed kind of the uh, the structure of Microcastle, mm-hmm. uh, we too will step outside of that, and we're we'll get a little weird with you, and we'll do that next time. Yeah. Until then, to steal your line. Have a wonderful day. Bye.